This episode of the Thrive Life Podcast is presented to you by Roar Alexander, powered by Thrive Life International and home of the Thrive Life Challenge. Get ready to discover everything you want to know about fitness, nutrition, and optimized healthy lifestyle hacks to help you truly earn your Thrive Life. Also, be sure to keep up with Roar at www.roaralexander.com. And share the Thrive Life podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or the Thrive Life podcast page on Facebook. Now, with no further delay, let's get on to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thrive Life podcast. This is our second video one ever, actually. The very first one, if you guys recall, was with Rich Franklin, uh, former UFC world champion and now the vice president of one championship out of Singapore. But today we have on Brad Thorpe. Brad Thorpe is a master of isometrics. For those of you that don't know what isometrics is, we are going to find out a lot about what isometrics are. So how are you doing today, Brad? Doing fantastic, buddy. Doing fantastic. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Oh, really no excited problem. to get the message out there. Yeah, no problem. Thank you because it's only about 5.30 a.m. where you are right now. That's why you got your cup of coffee there. Got my cup of coffee plug for Starbucks. You, uh, you fire up my life, baby. Very nice. I got my cup of coffee too even though it's you know almost 5 o'clock in the afternoon here. <laughs> and 40 degrees Celsius. Where... Yeah, exactly. Everybody looks at me like I'm crazy because iced coffee is the big thing here and I'm the only person around that ever orders hot coffee. But I just, I just can't do iced coffee. I'm sorry. Coffee's meant to be hot. Exactly. <laughs> so Brad, um, you basically are one of the top people that I know of in the world for isometrics. Um, and isometrics is something that seems to be gathering a lot of momentum when it comes to the, the strength and conditioning industry, but also just the general health and longevity industry. And there seem to be a lot of new names popping up all the time. But, you know, I was introduced to you a couple years ago, and I even had the opportunity to come and train with you in Toronto. And I mean, that was a killer workout. I mean, it's one of those weird workouts where, you know, you don't really you feel it, but you don't feel it because, you know, you're used to kind of, you know, Muay Thai and CrossFit and heart pounding and sweating. But the next day, you know, for, for days I was in so much pain, but in these weird spots. You know, it wasn't, your t- it wasn't your typical kind of pain. It was like you had all these different pains from all these little areas that you've never had before. So how did you get into, what got you interested in isometrics in the first place? Um, it's a, well, a long-winded story, but I'll get to sort of somewhat of the root of the, pro- the not problem, but the uh, obsession, we'll call it. My wife thinks it's sometimes a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because as we were discussing yesterday, it's, uh, you know, I'm one of the few people that probably reads two or three studies on the subject matter every day. You do, uh, and, you because pu- the- and you publish a lot of them, I see. I, I look at them, at least you share them, I should say. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, it really stems back to when I was a kid. Um, you know, actually predates me being a kid, to be honest. My mom's dad, uh, he died at the age of 45 of a massive heart attack, right? So my mom, uh, my mom was 15 years old, so, you know, obviously there's a huge amount of loss um, when you lose a loved one, specifically a father, and back in that era, your breadwinner to your family. Um, so she grew up in a household where there wasn't really that sort of father figure. And then jump forward to, you know, now I'm born, now I'm eight years old, uh, my mom's 31 years old. She loses her mom 
to a massive heart attack. Okay. So I can't even imagine being a 31-year-old individual with, you know, who have lost both parents. Mm -hmm. You know, she's got three kids at home, husband, all that sort of jazz. And then, you know, two years after that, and obviously you're from the Toronto area, so we have the Ontario Science Center. Yeah. And so we go there as a family, and my dad's doing this, um, you know, kinetic bike test. You know, that thing where you go really hard and you basically light up this big, huge light bulb. Yep. And of course, he falls off the bike, grabbing his heart. Okay. Uh, trying to impress kids and all that sort of stuff. And to me, that was a huge um, traumatic moment. Um, fortunately, he had a hiatus hernia, and it was just backflow into the uh, the the hernia. Yeah. But that was sort of the catalyst because as a kid, it's like, okay, I've heard that my mom's dad died. I di or my mom's mom died of a heart attack. My dad had this sort of event, and then I find out it jumped forward. You know, about a decade from that point, I, I find out I have blood pressure of 150 over 100. You know, I got preventricular. So very high, ridiculously high. Uh, ridiculously high blood pressure, and their solution was, oh, you need to exercise. The problem is, or the problem was, I was exercising about four hours a day if you count all sports plus weight training. Okay. So I couldn't have actually been physically fitter yep. from a um, time commitment, time under tension commitment perspective. So it was kind of like, what am I missing? And at that time, and as you, you're familiar with the industry, the world was screaming, don't do isometrics. Yeah. It's bad for your blood pressure. It's bad for your heart. So Yeah, they said it would like the pressure make your eyes blow up. Kind of, yeah. So I wasn't um, looking that way by any means. And so went to school for a program called Fitness Lifestyles Management in Toronto, which was a three semester, or sorry, six semester program, and did all this cardiovascular testing. You know, and it's like, okay, well, here I'm doing cardio. I'm in cardiovascularly pretty good shape, with the exception of blood pressure issues. Okay. And so you avoid it, and you avoid it, and you avoid it. And I'm a personal trainer now, so we're jumping forth to about 2006. And, you know, I've been running my business for now almost about eight years. And I hear this sort of um, news report coming out of McMaster University, which is Hamilton, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Right? So down by your neck of the woods. And they stated that isometrics was not what it had been sort of um, proclaimed to be, which was bad for your blood pressure. They stated that it was actually better for your blood pressure than a single pharmaceutical agent. Hmm. And so I was sitting there listening to it and I, you know, the eye, the, the light goes off in my head. Yeah. It's like here I'm using isometrics for my clients who don't have blood pressure issues to help increase their muscular awareness, to help sort of increase that, um, you know, the, the rate of the firing of the muscle. And historically, if you think about isometrics, it's always been used for rehab, yeah. right? And that's what I was using it for. It's like, oh, well, let's use isometrics because it's good for rehab. And then I had that sort of uh, over, um, you know, with, with myself, that overarching sort of cloud, let's call it, of, wow, you got high blood pressure. How do you resolve this thing? I don't want to take medication. I've never been on it. Yeah. And it was like, wow, let's just jump at this full force. Because if it's good for neuromuscular reeducation, and if it's good for blood pressure issues, mm -hmm. well, who doesn't have pain and poor performance and cardiovascular disease? True. Right? Yeah. So the market was massive. Hmm. And fortunately for me, I had some educational, um, my educational background allowed me to study under one of the world's foremost experts on exercise mechanics. 
So this guy named Tom Purvis, and he has an organization called the Resistance Training Specialist Program. Yeah. And so that gave me a lot of insight into the world of you know, equipment design. And so it was like, okay, well, this is kind of a unique opportunity. The world is heading into this um, area called isometrics. Currently, nobody's doing it. Like, you know, the last really people that pushed isometrics was, um, I think it was Bob Hoffman, uh, Bruce Lee, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. You know, and, um, a lot of people Bruce don't Lee know, but Bruce Lee was a very big proponent of isometrics. He, his whole thing was just push on the wall. <laughs> yeah, push on the wall, push on a power cage. Basically, um, the guys, are, I think it was Westside Barbell, maybe. Um, yeah. I, and then I know I, a lot of bodybuilders also do where, you know, they, they flex as hard as they can for, you know, extended amounts of time as well. That's kind of a little bodybuilder kind of isometric thing, I guess they do. Well, well the cool thing about the, the bodybuilding community, their sport is an isometric. Yeah. Right, get on stage and flex and hold. Yeah, that's true. Right? <laughs> Never and thought of talk, that. Talk to any <laughs> they of must them. Be the world's it's only isometric sport. <laughs> What's that? So they must be the world's only isometric sport, really. Um, that and those plank dudes. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> you know, what is the plank up at now? It's almost six hours. Yeah, it's a, that Chinese guy. I think. I think it was a Chinese yeah. guy that set one of the records it's recently. Special, special forces guy. So it's the 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 white guy from I think California. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's going basically one set it at one thirty six, yeah. and the next guy was it went from an hour and thirty six minutes to like four hours or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty and, ridiculous. So you plankers and bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah, plankers and bodybuilders. Outside of that, um, now here's the irony: every power lifter does isometrics, mm -hmm. right? It's about bracing the structure, and then they have two or three joints move. Yeah, right. They've oh, like completely looked overlooked it. And so you got your power lifters, Olympic lifters. It's amazing when you think about the rate of force development that they they have. So they start in an isometric, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then they finish in an isometric. You got to stand there and hold that, you know, load still. Yeah, I think they have to for at least three seconds. I know they have to prove that it's stabilized above the head. So exactly right. So you look at it when you start exploring where isometrics are in everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's everything from the office workers sitting at their desk for like numerous hours. Now, yep. part of the problem, I take the office worker, and obviously we're here to talk about sport and athletics, but let's not forget about That's the okay. occupational I've, athlete. I'm all about longevity too for normal people. So, <laughs> Exactly. So that occupational athlete, let's give him a title. Okay. That guy who sits at a desk for 40 to 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Well, they need to have isometric control, right? That yep. strength to sustain sitting. Right, which yep. we forget about. So here's a simple way by adding isometrics that can help resolve back pain, potentially lower their blood pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the cool stuff about isometrics from a caloric expenditure perspective, um, it burns as many calories as sprinting. Wow! Right, if okay. you take 30 seconds of isometrics, it burns, and a, this is on a per muscle basis. So, and the study is referenced to the vastus lateralis. So yep. That's one of your So it's not a, it's not a complete calorie burn. It's more. It's um, well, the irony is it probably is because the isometric, now it's only on a per muscle basis, but you got to anchor from everywhere when doing isometrics. That's true. Right? So they just, they just studied one muscle. So if you look whole body, it's pretty awesome. Um, so what they found, 30 seconds of isometrics was on par with 30 seconds of sprinting. That was the American, or American uh, what do you call it, um, Journal of Physiology. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, that's very interesting. And if you think about the efficiency or the economy of movement with dynamics, it goes from this muscle to this muscle to this muscle. Yeah, so it jumps right. around. Yeah. 
With isometrics, it's a sustained contraction to a given area, hmm. right? Now, I know we have a, a, a buddy of ours who, uh, you know, ventures over to the, uh, you know, Mount Everest quite a bit and does a lot of base camp type yeah. walking, right? <laughs> so one of the things that they face is hypoxia, when you get rid of oxygen, yeah. right? So here's a really cool thing with isometrics that a lot of people don't know. If you hold and sustain this contraction for a period of 30 to 45 seconds, you start to starve that muscle of oxygen. Now, if you hold the contraction for two minutes, now you actually create a hypoxic training environment. So you're training the muscle with no oxygen, hmm. right? So you actually get that altitude effect, which is pretty awesome because we all know if you train at altitude, you have better levels of sports performance. Yes, for sure. Right? You get the increase in the red blood cells or whatever too, the oxygen. Absolutely. So those are some things that they're finding out about isometrics now. So not only is it great for your blood pressure, uh, it's really, truly great for your performance side of things because, A, um, it helps with uh, the increase in blood cells. Yeah. It helps strengthen the muscles. And they've historically always said, well, isometrics is the fastest and safest way for developing muscular strength. But they always follow that up by saying, oh, but it's only good for plus or minus 15 degrees. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So if you get freakish strong for 30 degrees, do yeah. six reps. No, exactly. That's yeah, I mean, that's, that's one-third of the movement anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. Depending on some of the movements, if you're looking at shoulder flexion, mm -hmm. that's basically 180 degrees. Yeah. Oh, so sure. why not freakish strong? A bench press goes from 90 to basically, um, so you're straight out on a bench press mm -hmm. to finishing it off. You've really only gone about 65 degrees. Yeah, so that's more than half the movement you're strengthening it. Exactly. So it's like if it's the fastest and safest way, and I'll hone in on the fastest and safest. Yes. So if you're an athlete, why wouldn't you want to get fast and safe results? Well, why exactly. put yourself like, like CrossFit, for example, right? Like these guys are awesome. And what they put their bodies through is absolutely incredible. Mm. Now, if you add a faster and safer way to get a little bit healthier, mm -hmm. well, hold on, hold on. I can increase my performance result, I can get healthier. And maybe reduce the risk of injury. Yeah, no, true. Right? So there's a huge component of, let's call isometrics, I'll change the word for a second, the ultimate form of stability training. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing more stable than not moving. Nope, for sure. <laughs> right? it's, it's literally one of those simple things we forgot as yeah. an industry. Yeah, no, for right? sure. It's like we have, I, Right? We have two types of movement, which we often overlook. We have dynamic movement, which encompasses eccentric and concentric and all your plyometric type training. Mm -hmm. right? And then you have isometric movement. Yep. It's actually got its own category, yeah. but yet nobody talks about it. So you've got all these things over here in the dynamic world that we're obsessed and we love and it's fun. Yeah. But it, leads to, it really truly leads to a lot of injury. Yeah. Right? Over here, you got this really not so sexy, boring, hard. Yeah. There's nothing other than isometrics. Definitely not. Because, definitely not, right? It's like, you know, it's, what, what's the expression when the uh, unstoppable force meets the immovable object? Yeah. And then I think it was you actually, I think I was listening to another podcast, and you had actually said um, so basically, when you, you got maximal lifting, where it's a one max effort. Then you got submaximal, where it's lifting, you know, something lighter than your one max. And then you had what you called was like, I think it was like, so like above max. Because <laughs> when yep. you're doing an isometric lift, you're actually trying to lift something above your max. So you're actually, it's super heavy weightlifting.
Well, exactly. And the cool thing is, right, that's even safer. Yeah, virtually sure. no risk of a, you know, if you, obviously, let's say you're using a, a squat rack for the scenario. If you got, like, the Olympic bar pinned out and it's actually just uh, not that free-flowing where it can come down and crush your throat, yeah. right? Let's say you put, two, you put two pins, like bottom pin and top pin, yeah. and you're driving into that, mm -hmm. uh, you can generate huge amounts of load, right? And there's this guy who is the world power lift, or not, our, um, basically world strongman. Um, champion, a guy named Eddie Hall. Those guys do a lot and, of isometrics because even their sport, like the crucifix hold, for instance, where you have to just sit there like this. I guess that's a well, yielding or whatever, but still. Yeah, and um, you know, so that's a big, huge, massive thing. But so he just did a dead. He just basically lifted half a ton, which is I think eleven hundred and three pound, give or take. Okay. And so they did a an isometric study where they were looking at different ranges of. Um, well, basically how much force you could generate at either your ankle or the bottom, your mid-shin, your knee, and your mid-thigh, basically a lockout position. And what they found in the study, and it was out of East Tennessee University, I believe, um, what they found was at the bottom level, you could generate about 700 pounds. Okay. At the sort of shin level, you could generate about 900 pounds. Mm. At your mid-thigh level, is about 1,300 pounds. Okay. And this is a, sorry, um, basically uh, pounds per square foot. Mm -hmm. Then at the top, you're back down to about 1,100. Okay. So Eddie, Eddie Hall, the world record for a normal d dynamic deadlift was 1,102 pounds. Yeah. Right? So in an isometric format, and now Eddie Hall is 408 pounds. Okay. He's an absolute beast. So the guys in the study were 255 pounds. Wow. Right? Okay. Their, their maximum deadlift, in order to qualify for the the studies had to be 550 pounds, mm -hmm. right? So they're significant. They're half of what Eddie Hall can lift in a dynamic world, yeah. but in an isometric world, they're actually able to generate more force than Eddie did. Wow. Okay. Like if you if you just looked at it isometric versus what Eddie did, mm -hmm. right? If you put Eddie Hall in that scenario, I would love to see what that dude could generate. Yeah, I would like say he's, pro he's probably breaking <laughs> 2,000 pounds. Yeah. Right. Which wow. is just unheard of, That's right? Pretty. But when you stop moving the load, you can generate some pretty significant torque, or well, load basically, or newtons. Yeah. Well, let, so let's. For the, sorry. Oh, no, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. You go. <laughs> I was gonna just gonna say for like the CrossFit community, right? Um, That's what I was gonna say. Let's jump in the CrossFit community. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, you look at it and you just go, obviously, there's different levels of CrossFit, right? So you got your starters, you got your, you know, your high-end rich fawnings and everything like that, like these freaks of nature who are just, like, dedicated to the art of, you know, just do awesome stuff. Let's start with, um, let's start with, let's go in order then. Let's talk about, let's make up three categories, just for fun. Okay. So let's say I'm a CrossFit box owner, okay, I got a CrossFit, and I want to... I have uh, new people who've never worked out before, never done CrossFit before. How would I, it's maybe, it's the brand new person, how would I use isometrics for them, in, in your opinion? I mean, there's lots of ways to go, but what do you think would Pierre Eiley be one of the best tools for me to use in isometrics for a newbie? Um, you know, I would go universally accepted best tool, probably a wall, right? Okay. You can do so many different exercises against a wall, mm -hmm. right? It's cost effective. Um, there's many limiting factors to a wall, of course. But if you're in a CrossFit facility, everyone's got a wall, usually speaking. So just yeah. by pulling your body into a movable object, such as like, you know a big pile of brick, 
Mm -hmm. um, we're able to generate some pretty substantial force. Okay. Um, also, also, if you really wanted to simplify isometrics, what you can do is just replicate the movement pattern and just hold it. Okay. Right? It's not, it's not going to be as effective as um, driving into something that's immovable. Mm -hmm. Right, both from a neurological perspective as well as a strength perspective. Obviously, if you're just holding your your arm out to the side, well, if you go to move, well, that changes. Yeah. Right? Now, if I, if I, you know, I don't have the world's biggest arms. Um, you know, there's obviously bodybuilders out there who've got massive arms that are the size of my legs. Well, they're going to have to lift more load. Yeah. Right. High probability, if you're new to a sport, holding for something for 30 to 45 seconds is going to be a little bit, you know, challenging. Okay. Uh, be challenging for your muscular system. It's also going to be challenging for your tendon structure. It's going to be okay. challenging for your ligamentous tissue, um, as well as your nervous system, which a lot of people don't consider when they get new into a sport such as CrossFit, um, because it's high, it's usually high repetition, go 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 go. Yes. Get get that whole teamsmanship going, and you know the level of encouragement is awesome, and you know nobody wants to fail in front of their peers. Mm -hmm. Right, so a lot of people, what they do is they they push themselves a little bit too hard at the beginning. Right, they don't have tolerance. Yeah. yeah. So usually speaking, when implementing a isometric approach to newbies, it's really about movement education. Okay. Right. Let's you know, let's take a photograph of any fast motion. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, what you do is you'd almost want to string together those photographs, like you, you know, if you're talking like you know a squat. So you got your bottom Top, face, middle, right? bottom, three quarters. Yeah. Right? So you could so, use it as a to teach the positions of technique. Correct. Okay. So the, you, you were talking about the wall. That was that was getting them uh, kind of a baseline of strength. Correct. That's they just pushing against right. the wall for baseline of strength for newbies. And now we're talking about using isometrics as to teach positions for technique. Yeah, so you could be used okay. obviously as a, a teacher or training protocol for you know CrossFit. So take any of their, you know, I've been on CrossFit.com uh, a lot lately, and they got all their exercise videos, you know, and it's a great sort of archived um, piece. So all you have to do is press pause. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do, and it's like, well, how, what exercise should I do? It's like, well, well, watch that, and just hit pause. Can yeah. you hold that for fifteen seconds? Nope. Right. Well, like, a video. So, which is, which is kind of cool because a lot of people they just forget about you can just press pause. Yeah, well, right? that's kind of in in the hit course that my what they teach in my academy. Um, we actually quite often I like to put a little bit of uh, isometric sort of stuff in there just to open the the you know it's people that are coming to want to be trainers and most of them have not heard of isometric. Well, they know what they've heard of it, but they have never used it besides just doing a plank. Right, everybody does a plank. So what we do is we actually set up, depending on the time, but I try to do two, if not a three-point squat press where I set it up at the very bottom and they have to go under and we load it up, you know, too heavy for anybody to move. We even got guys hanging off the end and they got to try pushing up from the bottom of the hole. Then the rack beside it might be halfway up and then the rack beside that might be, you know, three quarters to the top of the squat. And we kind of work on, um, you know, strengthening kind of the three different points. Correct. Yeah. So and, you know that's that that is an amazing way to start and get people familiar with a the option of isometrics. Yeah. Uh, as well as you know, uh, from a, a an exercise equipment perspective, obviously one of the things that differentiates myself is that we didn't talk about this at the beginning. So I, I'm basically a patent holder on the world's first full body isometric training apparatus. Yes, the isometric, right? which we are going to talk about for sure. Oh, correct. <laughs> right. But, but you look at something like that, and it's like. 
it's an opportunity to do a whole bunch of different is isometrics, right? So you take that CrossFit community, and here's a way that sort of says, you know, with every movement that you do, we can actually restrain that in an isometric format. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a sticking point, yeah. right? So no matter what exercise it is in CrossFit, you're, you're always going to have that piece where you struggle. So the, right? your, your, your weak point. Yeah, your weak so point. So this could uh, almost be now used um, almost like on the other spectrum where we're almost talking about like the games athletes, the professionals who are absolutely. on their game, but they're, everybody has a little point somewhere. Maybe it's the getting out of the hole at the bottom. Maybe it's the initial two centimeters off the ground of the deadlift. So you're saying using isometrics to fix weak points in their game. Correct. Okay. Right. And one of the things, if we want to get we'll jump and get a little bit more technical right now, so because we deal with sort of twitch responses to muscle, so you have mm -hmm. slow twitch and fast twitch. Yep. Right. So you know, not to go on too much about exercise fitness, but we forget that slow twitch muscle fibers, mm -hmm. which are you know the ones that help you with muscular endurance. Yeah, the endurance fibers, that, the cardio fibers, what people call them. Let's call them that. Yeah. Are best trained are best trained in an isometric format, hmm. right? Which is yeah. kind of interesting. Yes. Now, the thing is, slow twitch fibers actually fire faster than fast twitch fibers. Okay. Right, so they fire first yes. and end last. Yep. And they're sustained well past 45 seconds of an event. Oh, for sure, there's pretty much <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Right, which is kind of cool, and every muscle has a proportion of fast and slow, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have only fast twitch muscles, and we don't really have only slow twitch muscles. Yeah. Now, it gets interesting in the sense that CrossFit isn't a 15-second event. No, it's CrossFit, no, people don't like to admit it, but it's, it's an aerobic sport that requires really strength is. and power. But it's, it's aerobic. Right. right, and you look at that, and you go, okay, well, here, if here's a better way to actually... Or no, a better way, I'll use that, to train my slow twitch fibers, mm -hmm. why not add this? Yeah, right? You still got to do CrossFit. You still got to do your lifts. You still got to do all that dynamic stuff. Mm -hmm. But my God, if you add this, you, you become a freak of nature because what happens is your joint structures become more stable. Mm -hmm. And when something's more stable, you can generate more force. You can go faster. You can transfer load. Um, easier, mm -hmm. right? Um, also, the way where people get injured is because they don't have joint stability. Yeah. So the muscle has to pick up that, um, you know, it's called translation within a joint. So you lose the rotational component mm -hmm. and a muscle or a joint starts to translate, which just means it slips, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it'd be like walking on the ground and you step on water and your foot flies out. You weren't, yeah. you weren't accounted for that or yeah. you didn't account for that. And then all of a sudden your brain says, oh, I got to pick that up. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's a different way to look at it because we forget that in order to create awesome movement patterns, we need to be stable. Yeah, I think people right? forget that, especially with this uh, whole focus everywhere in the world on mobility. It's like mobility, right. mobility, but we're just what we're doing is we're just creating people that are just. It's almost like the goal now is to be hypermobile, and there's not even a need for that. Proper mobility exactly. with with you know optimized stability is going to be your best bet. Absolutely. Now, the, the, the irony of the situation is, so let's jump forward with this sort of mobility sort of craze. Mm -hmm. 10 to 20 years from now, when people start to shrink because they're a little bit older, 
right? Old people, don't, they're not tall. They're shorter than what they were. But yeah, they so ever be. Yes. Right? So what happens is when you start to shrink down is you've stretched all these ligaments. Mm -hmm. You don't stretch muscle with stretching. You stretch the passive structures that support, support your, you know, your joints yeah. with stretch. Right? That's why stretching never works unless uh, you do it for a long like, number of years. Yeah. Right? You'll impair the neurological sort of tearing um, of the tissue, which destabilizes the joint, which allows you to dump the load into the, the actual tendon structure as well as the ligamentous structure. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to sit there and force hold these positions for periods of time. And then what will happen is you'll loosen off the joint. Okay. Now, in the idea of, like, let's say, a grandmaster martial artist, who never stops training, you might be okay. Yep. Because the key is never stop training. Yeah, but the average person tends the to stop training. The average person, as they get older, they have a kid, they get a job, they get some responsibility in their life, they can't go to the gym 10 hours a week, mm -hmm. and now they're going to the gym, uh, you know, two hours every three weeks. If they go to the gym, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if they go to the gym. So what happens is they get just a little bit older and they get a little bit shorter and all their, you know, a little, a bit, little bit looser. Fat, <laughs> a little bit looser, right? And you bring up that point. Looseness yeah. is not stable. No, for sure. Right? Yeah, you don't want loose knees. <laughs> loose. Yeah, like, I want rock hard abs. Like, yeah. you know, you throw the term out there. I don't want loose abs. I want rock hard. Yeah. You know, fir firmness is not loose. Firm is tight. Firm yeah. is tension. Firm is like this. Um, rigidity is probably the word that scares everybody the most. Like, oh my God, I don't want to like be rigid. Yeah, you want to be fluid in your ability to be still and strong and stable, yeah. right? But uh, well, see, I'm always saying for MMA and Muay Thai fighters to throw good kicks and punches, you have to be a little stiff. I mean, you can't be super loose. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to get the proper snap out of it if you're just if your hips are too loose. You have to have a little bit of tightness to throw those good kicks. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I was talking to one of the, uh, the uh, best uh, sort of uh, yesterday about bringing the licensure program into their facility. Sorry, is, sorry, we lost you for a second. So bring it to where? Um, there's a uh, MMA sort of training center which deals with a lot of the MMA superstars. Okay. And so just having a I can't sort of mention their name as of yet, but uh, you know, in a couple of weeks we should be able to sort of launch that publicly. But we're talking about some of the world champions. Um, you know, and it's about bringing the isometric platform that we've developed uh, basically to this community because, to your point, you have to be strong and stable in order to be quick and fast and strong. Mm -hmm. um, when you're looking at maximum like force development. Isometrics is actually part of the equation, yep. right? Like how, your maximum isometric strength. So if you, if you have poor isometric strength, to your point, you can't kick very fast. Yep. You're going to be unstable. Um, you know, they're going to have that ability to displace where you currently are, yeah. right? So if a guy goes to tackle you, um, well, if you have poor isometric strength, and he's going to tackle you. If you have that sort of instantaneous muscle response, he's going to hit you and you're not going to move. Yep. Right? Right? So the whole goal of defense, if you're dealing with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA, well, if guys try to, you know, double under, well, your goal is to stay there and not fall. Yeah, no, for sure. No, we've, we've used, uh, we, uh, I've done some training with the Fairtex Muay Thai team, actually, here in Thailand. And we have their one champ, who's one of the top three in the world. Everybody knows there's basically three top Muay Thai fighters when we're talking about Thailand Muay Thai fighters. San Chai. Uh, Buakau and Yodsenkai. 
and we use okay. we use um, we use uh, isometrics actually in Yachts and Clyde quite a bit because one of the reasons is they don't speak very good English, so I want them to lift some heavy stuff. But you know you can't really get these guys doing one, two, and three rep maxes because you can't explain all the technique that goes with it. You know, so we can just set up the deadlift really heavy or just set up, you know, in, on the pins, the bar, and we can have them do full out, you know, max effort, but with absolutely zero risk of him getting injured, you know, which is Correct. extremely important when you got guys, you know, basically, I don't know if you heard about this, but they just offered him, he's just been offered the biggest prize in Muay Thai fighting in the world. They want him to fight Boakow, so this, the Chinese organization has offered him $1 million US if they fight. So that's, that's the purse. Wow. So this is Muay Thai. We're usually talking Muay Thai, it's in the thousands to maybe tens thousands, you know? Yeah. They went to a million. I mean, it's crazy because they want these two guys to fight each other. So, you know, if I got him, I am not going to risk injuring that guy. I don't care what belt you give me. It's like, let's do isometrics with him because who's going to be paying the million if he gets hurt doing a really bad deadlift? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, it's a, you know, if you jump over, so you take that from Muay Thai. And Manny Pacquiao is considered, one of, at one point, one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world, like mm -hmm. in the history of boxing. Yep. And he went over and he was doing a whole bunch of isometrics with this guy named Freddie Roach. Out yep. of the LA area. Yeah, that right? boxing and coach Freddie down Roach in LA. What's that? It's a boxing coach down in LA, very famous guy. Exactly. And, you know, one of the world's best boxing coaches. He's worked with, you know, some of the best boxers in, well, over the last, call it 20 years, anyways. Mm. But, like, George St. Pierre went down to train under him as well. And so mm. it's like, you know, George St. Pierre uses a lot of isometrics as well, if you look at you read about what he does um, with his training. And yeah. the reason they all use it, because it works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, you know, I, think, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, the high-end athlete is willing to do everything to make themselves better, yep. right? So if we jump back to sort of our CrossFit community, if other athletes are doing this to make their performance better, mm -hmm. why not just add it? Like yeah. it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm giving something up. Like here's a community that just likes more, to be honest. Yeah. So add this, right? Add 15, 20 minutes every day before you go in. Use it as a neurological prep. Yeah, as you say, you actually, when you're doing isometrics, you actually don't need to spend a long time on it because it just, it stimulates the central nervous system so much that I would imagine your workouts probably are going to be actually shorter than you would if you were doing more dynamic, correct? Correct. So one of the things, there was a study out of California, um, and then we're going back to about 2013, 2011, um, that compared isometrics to resistance training, okay. right? And what they found was... Six minutes of isometrics was the equivalent to 34 minutes of resistance training. Wow, so dynamic resistance training. Yeah, dynamic resistance training on uh, commercial exercise equipment. Okay. Right, so, you, so it's going to be a little bit more stable than even the, you know, the unsupported free weight type environment. Mm -hmm. So you can actually generate more force when things are more stable because you don't have to worry about control and the form of everything, right? Yeah. So what we found was isometrics is superior to... Uh, the selectorized equipment, and selectorized equipment is actually superior to free weight equipment for when you're looking at force production, right? Okay. So it's like, oh, but the cool thing was six minutes gave you 30, the equivalent to 34 minutes, right? Yeah. So if, if you jump back to where, do you, where are you going to get gains? Well, if you're looking at efficiency, 
Well, if I get 34 minutes of resistance yeah. training, if I'm short on in time, six <laughs> I'm short on time. Let's add this in. You know, I sh I ran from the office to the CrossFit box. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a I got a warm up. Yeah. Well, a six minute isometric warm up. Well, all of a sudden you're going to prime a lot more stuff in your structure, your your muscular system, yeah. as well as um, there was a study out of the British Journal of Sports Medicine. That and this is really huge for CrossFit people that might be in a certain level of pain. Yeah. So right. there's analgesic effect to isometrics, and analgesic means basically it's a way to resolve pain. Mm -hmm. So we're we're giving these people a way to resolve pain in an isometric warm-up. Mm -hmm. We're able to increase their force generation. So this study was specific to the patellar tendon. So that knee tendon, knee. right, which is pretty, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of squats or running or lifting yep. have usually some pretty substantial knee pain, yep. right? Or Muay Thai people have substantial knee pain because of all the kicking and knee trauma, to be honest. Sure. A lot um, of athletes so, in general. Well, exactly, yeah. right? So what you're able to do is like, it was in their protocol, it was an eight-minute total time protocol. Okay. Um, they were able to actually get rid of patella knee pain for 45 minutes. Um, they increased the sort of the maximum voluntary muscle contraction, so how much your muscle could contract at a maximum level by 18%. Okay. <laughs> right, so here you have a warm-up that's going to add 18% of your strength and get rid of your pain. Yeah. Like, that's ideal for um, a CrossFitter, yeah. right? Or, or, sorry, any, any athlete. athlete. Yeah. Even your occupational athletes. I'm going to sit, sit at my desk. Well, maybe do an isometric protocol before you sit down and type for a couple hours. Yeah, right? that makes sense to me. Right, it's yeah. um, you know what, what is the uh, you know everyone's talking about body hacks these days. Yeah, um, it's, the, it's the ultimate in body hack. It's like okay, it's more efficient, so you can lower your blood pressure um, in they say eight minutes a day. Mm. Right, um, you can basically burn calories, the equivalent to sprinting. So there's a study where they did um, eight seven minutes of isometrics cons on consecutive days for 31 mm -hmm. days. Yeah, so basically did it isometric for one month. Seven minutes a day. The average weight loss was just under 20 pounds. Wow. And you, you, you use it quite a bit in your facility for weight loss, don't you? Um, yeah, right. So, Because usually speaking, well, people who are, need to lose weight, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with a lot of the times are ill-prepared to move very fast. Yes. Right? You, you got like a big dude, um, and you're going to have him, what, gyrate down a treadmill? Exactly. Um, he's having him smashing his feet into the floor, running and everything. Yeah, you know, that belly's pulling forward. He's got that back pain. Why not stabilize him first? Maybe lose some, like, let's say in a month, you can be down 20 pounds just by learning how not to move and generate force. Yeah. Well, that might be a more appropriate place to start with this newbie. No, right. I, I hear you. No, I've I've done it. I've actually because I've taught CrossFit around the world, and about maybe every once every six months, just for fun, I actually throw in. I call it a. It's a non-moving wad. The entire wad yeah. has no movement. So you know, wow. I set up a, dead, there's a deadlift station, a barbell station, a plank station. You know, just hanging above the bar station, and everybody rotates. And, you know, I go like, you know, 30 seconds on or 20 seconds on, whatever it is, and they get a break and then I go back on again, which is kind of leads me to my next question. But, you know, it's a crazy workout. And, you know, at the end of the day, they, you know, they don't come back. They don't go around, you know, CrossFitters always got to be covered in sweat and feel like they, they've died. So they don't have that feeling. So sometimes they go home not quite understanding what happened, but always the next couple of days, 
you hear about it. They're like, I am so sore in all these places. I've never been sore before. But I mean, yeah. it's great for, you know, like when we were talking about CrossFit, because I was going to ask, you know, there's so many ways you can use isometrics in CrossFit. Like you said, either it's, you know, the beginner teaching them some technique or just basic, really simple strength, you know, deadlifting something that's too heavy to get in that position, you know, must fire and all those muscle fibers pushing against the wall. You know, you can use it to weak, to correct uh, weaknesses in your advanced athletes. And then of course, for your regular athletes, it's, it's everything from endurance to fat loss, to strength, to weaken areas, to strengthening areas, and even just adding some really fun wads that they're, they're not used to. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really that one type of exercise that is actually beneficial for everyone. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question, because I've had this question, and I honestly don't know the answer. Sometimes when we teach it in the hit course or whatever, I'll have them say, well, what's the, um, you know, like Tabata principles, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, has been proven to, you know, increase your VO2 max really well, and the magic number seems to be eight rounds. Anything after over eight rounds, the, their speed starts to come down, and anything not up to eight rounds is just not optimal. So eight rounds, you know, in the 2010. So they'll say to me, well, Roar, what's the, what's the magic, what's the formula for isometrics? Do I hold it for five seconds? Do I hold it for two minutes? Um, is it, does it depend on what the goal is? Is there like, a, if I'm going for strength, it's going to be more like six seconds on, ten seconds off. If I'm going for endurance, like you had said, it's, do I have to hold them for two solid minutes? Like what's the, what would I do if I, I don't even know where to start programming isometrics? It really, yeah, it's really truly goal dependent. Right, so you're looking at everything, let's call it from the replication of plyometrics, so they call it explosive isometrics, okay. right, and Tabata was actually huge, so you bring up him. He was one of the lead researchers, um, you know, into the realm of isometrics yes, for high I'm, performance. A lot of people don't know that. They, I think it was all about yeah. spinning, but uh, uh, the, his Tabata protocols were actually very isometric based. Yeah, right, so it, it's really, you're looking at it going, okay, so the hardest, most intense workout you can do is push against something that doesn't move. For sure. But push really hard. Yep. Don't give up. <laughs> right? So, um, but if you're looking at sort of replicating plyometrics in a safer environment, you can do what's called explosive isometrics, which is push against an immovable object and sustain that contraction for two seconds. Okay. Right? So it's like push really hard, so relax. It's like, almost really like a power relax. thing. It's almost like it's just exploding yep. and relaxing and exploding and relaxing. Correct. Right okay. now, recognize you're already in the like. If you're pushing against the wall, your hands are already against the wall. Yes. Don't don't accelerate into a movable yeah. object. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't really, punch the wall. Really hurts. <laughs> um, you'll see people do that. They'll be at home all of a sudden going, Brad and Roar said, you know what I got to do? I got to drive into yeah. a wall. I got to run face first into this wall a few times. <laughs> yeah. So so just make sure you're. Uh, Sorry, that's so that would be for developing like asymmetric, uh, eccentric, so um, what do we call it? Um, so basically, explosive, explosive isometrics. So that would right? be if so you I look, want to develop power and speed, I could use that protocol. Yeah, so uh, for those speed and power developments, uh, yeah, absolutely. You want to learn to get you get out of that position. So it's like almost like you know, for the bottom of, of a deadlift, I want to learn to get faster off the floor. So yeah. rate of power development, right? Doing a, a, an explosive isometric where you're pulling really hard for two seconds. Now the benefit also, what it does is it also increases the tendon elasticity, right? So we never talk about tendon strength or tendon elasticity with training. We only ever talk about muscle, right? Yeah. Recently we were talking about the neurological looping mechanisms and all this sort of cool stuff. And yeah, you need nerves as well, 
Mm-hmm. But we historically nobody ever talks about tendons unless they got tendonitis yeah. or tendon pain, and then it's like all the rage. It's like I can't do anything because I'm so dysfunctional because my tendon hurts. Well, the way I talk, forget- the way I talk about the tendons, how I bring up the topic is bodybuilders quite often because they use a lot of anabolic steroids. The muscles get stronger, but they end up with a lot of these tears and ligaments and joints because the tendons and the ligaments don't get they don't gain in strength nearly as quickly as the muscle does. So they end up kind of lifting too heavy for the tendon. Exactly. And yeah. that, that's the thing that obviously the tendon transmits the force to the bone. Yeah. The, so it's, it's kind of important and so much so that the periosteum of the bone, so the outermost layer of the bone is it's the amalgamation of that tendon, right? So yeah. it forms the outer layer of the bone. And when you lose that ability to strengthen, or you, sorry, let's say, not lose the ability, you just overlook strengthening the tendon, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be at risk of some pretty substantial injuries later in life. Yeah. Uh, even things like osteoporosis and osteopenia um, can be related to poor tendon stiffness or okay. tendon strength, okay. um, which would be a better way to phrase it for people to understand and not get scared. Gotcha. Um, right. But so when you get, get back to your protocol based stuff, so one to two seconds is good for explosive isometrics. Okay. So that's sort of width of six, where it's really four through 15 seconds is the ultimate for increasing that neurological connection, okay. right? Increasing the firing rate of that tissue. And what you want to recognize is you're not trying to crush yourself here, you're not trying to do 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want the muscles that are currently strong and working. Um, to sort of say, hey, I, I got this. This is my job. I'm the big power dude. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come in and sort of take away from the muscle that you might be trying to neurologically enhance, mm-hmm. right? So in terms of from a percentage, uh, like a perceived exertion perspective, like 20% effort, 30% effort, like have it ramp up over like, you know, six through 10 reps. Okay. Maybe touch upon and skirt as hard as you can go on that 10th rep. Okay. Um, as opposed to just going all like you know balls to the so wall. So not right? every it's single rep like, is a one rep max. Yeah, it's like use it from a therapeutic mindset. Like just say hi to somebody. It's like dating, right? Hey, I just met you. Like yeah. Say hi. Next date, say hi. Go for coffee. Say hi. Go for coffee, dinner, and a movie. Wow, you know by date four, well things are getting a little bit heated, right? So it's a good way to look at sort of how you ramp up an isometric. You don't just start with uh, you know the end game. Yeah. Right. So. And then from there, tendon stiffness. This is really important for people. And the research will indicate like you're looking at a 20-second contraction mm-hmm. and you're looking at anywhere between 6 and about 12 reps at 70%. Okay. Right? So you're going to sustain that contraction for about you know, 20 seconds at 70% effort. And then you're going to relax for about 15 seconds. I think in that, it was actually a minute in their studies. Um, and then do it again. Yeah. Right? So... And from there, when you're looking at the cardiovascular component, that's anything above 45 seconds, really. So, then we're so you use for, cardi- for using isometrics for cardio. Correct. Right. Okay. So the longer you can do it, like you know, I have some of my rowing-based athletes. Um, you know, a high level of rowers, their event is 16 minutes. Okay. I have to do nine minutes of deadlifts. Okay. Right. So basically, nine one-minute holds at um, up 10-degree increments. Right. So you go up nine down nine, right, mm-hmm. a minute each. So. And what, what percentage of, uh, like, let's say, intensity would they be at? A seven, an eight, is that like a full, is that much as they can? Uh, or? Yeah. 
Well, it starts out as uh, don't try too hard, and as okay. you throw so in again, fatigue. So, so even with them, it's like it's always going up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And based off fatigue states. Now, here's a cool thing in the dynamic world. Mm -hmm. So if, let's say you're lifting 100 pounds, um, you know, whatever exercise you want to choose. As you start to fatigue, relative to your muscle's fatigue rate, that load, that load now goes up. Yep. In an isometric format, if you're holding, let's say, 100 pounds, well, I guess more of what they would phase, phrase a concentric isometric, where you're pulling into an immovable object. Okay. Um, what you will find is as you fatigue, you just can't generate as much force. Yes. Right. So instead of 100, you're now 98, 97, 96, 95. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're going to have a descending scale of load with an increase in perceived exertion. Right. So I'm training at a higher mental level mm -hmm. without the risk of actually the load going up relative to my increase huh. in strength. Huh. Right. So it's, it, it, it's a way to really challenge the mentality of the athlete coming yeah. back to CrossFit. You want to be strong. You want to be stronger at the end. Learn how to be mentally tougher. Yeah. No, the mental toughness is a big part of it for sure. Oh, it's it, it, it's mass massively huge. And you know, I, I hate to do this, um, but I'm going to have to go into probably about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No so, worries. Let's talk really so quickly then, just about what are the I hear, I hear a lot about the different kinds of isometrics. You have yielding and overcoming. Is that would that be correct, or is that, like would that be correct? Yeah. It, and yeah, lately they've now been switching yielding to, and overcoming to concentric isometrics and eccentric isometrics. Okay. Now, the irony is that's just load. Um, from a neurological perspective and an EMG recording perspective, they function the same. Okay. Right? Because your, your goal is actually just not to move, right? Yeah. So, so if I'm pulling into an immovable object, mm -hmm. right, the muscle's still shortening, right? Yeah. You see how, you know, a concentric phase, the muscle shortens. Yes. If I'm doing an eccentric isometric, i.e. not letting it fall to the ground, yeah. I'm still going in the exact same direction as a concentric isometric, right? Yep. Because you're decelerating the object from falling, which For means sure. you're actually going up. Yeah. So yeah, the irony is this, they've created these false names to mean <laughs> the same damn thing, yeah. which is confusing the populace and going, hey, we got these eccentric isometrics. Yeah, an isometric means not moving. Mm -hmm. So. It's not moving. Yeah. Now, and we're specific to the joint, right? So, and if it starts to move, it's no longer falls in the category of an isometric. Yeah. It would actually be just eccentric loading. Yeah. And the direction of eccentric loading is still concentric. Gotcha. So Which you, so really, you can do either the yielding or the overcoming. Uh, they both yeah. give you the same results as long as on the yeah, as long as you're not moving on either one. Besides that, Correct. it doesn't matter. Uh, now. The yielding one, or sorry, the eccentric isometric, um, there's a lot more risk associated with that. Yeah. Right? Because the load is pulling you into uh, an area. Yeah. Right? Where the concentric based isometric, you can't over, the load is not, not going to get heavier as you fatigue. Yeah. In an eccentric isometric, or what it perceived to be that I'm just going to hold an object, as I fatigue, risk goes up. For sure. Right? So it, yeah. it pulls it back into that dynamic world. So you're going to get a lot more tendon damage. You're going to get a lot more ligamentous injury associated with the, 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 what is believed to be the eccentric phase of an isometric. Yeah. Right? Like I'm going to hold that deadlift and hold it and, you know, for five minutes. Yeah. So it's just um, from a risk factor, 
Pulling into an immovable object is way safer. It functions the same mm -hmm. uh, from a force generation perspective. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you pull up that word again. It's just safer. Beautiful. So, so right? before oh, you go, go can you tell us quickly about your ISOFIT machine? Just really quickly about that. Give us the one more breakdown and where people can find more information about you. Because I really think they got to check out this ISOFIT machine. I mean, it's the only one of its kind in the world. I know you've patented it around the world, including even in China now. So, yep. yeah, so I got nine. So it's the world's first full body isometric training apparatus. Mm -hmm. So I can do every gym based exercise in a 32 square feet in an isometric format. Yeah. So basically, it's a, a wall restraint system. So you can find it uh, basically at isofit.com. So it's I S O P H I T. Yeah, P H I T, right? yeah. And everyone always asks what, what's with the pH. Yeah. You know, if you think about sort of that measurement, uh, your internal structure, like your pH levels. So it's like your pH balance. You're playing with that. Yes. Okay. So we went with that. Um, so part of it, um, you know, when asking about it, everyone's like, it's like we're just raising the level, right? So we're going to raise the level of your fitness, right? So if you hone in on that pH, it's really about just a, a level of fitness, yeah. right? F You're raising their pH in fitness. <laughs> yeah. Right, which is kind of cool. Now, obviously, when you're looking at the acid and base level, you don't want to raise it. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you look at F, and what F stands for historically in education, F stands for failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and look, if you look at how we're exercising, we're failing. We're yeah. absolutely failing across the board. Whether you're looking at, you know, blood pressure, heart rate, obesity, uh, chronic pain, all these really cool things. The dynamic world has led us down there. Yes. They've taken a whole bunch of people who are unstable and unprepared, mm -hmm. and they said, go run around and do all this really cool stuff. Yeah. The problem is you're breaking down. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's say you're a high-end Ferrari. You know, yeah, quick yeah. analogy. If you're a high-end Ferrari and your bolts are loose, right? Yeah. society tells you to just drive slower. Actually, yeah. to be honest, they tell you to drive faster. Yeah, just... <laughs> um, and cars are battles. You know, with isometrics and what ISOFIT's capable of doing, it's like I'm the guy who's come along and said, said hey, why don't you stop your car yeah. and tighten your yeah, bolts? Tighten the bolts and get the engine That's stable, get, get the wheels stable so they're not going to fall off. Where the, most yeah. of the world just tells you, well, just put a better gasoline in the car, you'll be fine. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's like it comes back to you just need to create stability. Yeah. And once you have the ultimate level of stability, you can do some pretty awesome stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like don't stop the activity you love. Just add isometrics. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Right? So anyways, buddy. But anyways, yeah, isofit.com. Yes, is for where sure. Find I will put the link. I'll put the link in the notes as well. Well, thank you for your time. I know you got to get going. We've uh, hit an hour now. But yeah, I'm sure we'll have a part two soon because, I mean, this hour passed really fast. So, oh yeah, we can talk about the health benefits from cardiovascular all the way through yeah, to Parkinson's. Yeah, I think that's what we'll do next. We talked a little bit about the performance today, but I think next time we can talk about the health benefits just for kind of the normal people, you know? So oh, I, think, yeah. I think they'll like that longevity and everything. So anyways, again, thanks and uh, enjoy uh, weather in Toronto. I hope it's warming up over there now. It, it's, it, for us, it's balmy. Um, for <laughs> you, it'd be like you'd be putting on a parka. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. All right. I'll talk to you later, Thanks, Brad. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.